Amen. Amen. Let me say quickly uh, while it's on my mind. Um, thank you once again for all that you did for us uh, Sunday. All that you've done this month, all that you've done this year, um, really all that you've done since we've been here since Lord allowed us to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, I was thinking today, it seemed like I spent uh, much of the day knocking things out and getting things ready and working on some stuff. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, thank you so much for that laptop. Um, I, I told somebody today, I told them and I was telling them that the church had got me one, and I said, it's by far the nicest laptop I've ever had, and uh, I still ain't figured out exactly how to use it. Alex set it up for me. I, all I know is click on Word, and I can type out outline, but I, I don't know all that other stuff. Uh, but it's fancy. You got to put your fingerprint on it to open it up. I mean, it's, it's fancy. And uh, thank you so much. And I, I told somebody, I said, I know it's expensive. Uh, no doubt it was an expensive laptop, but I appreciate you doing it. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, it's been, it's been a blessing to me. I've been using my iPad, and I'm thankful for the opportunity, for the ability to be able to do that. Uh, but it sure is a whole lot easier when you got that, when you got that laptop able to open it up. And uh, thank you so, so much. I trust the Lord to bless you for it, and I uh, hope it bless you tremendously for being so good to me and my family. Uh, with that being said tonight, somebody got swung your heart, something you need to do, you mind Lord. God, save me. Save me. I thank you for his word this evening. Who wanted for the preaching of that word? And showing me that I was lost on my way to hell. I never got saved. Because by that word, uh, he can take care of every problem that we had. He's got the answers to every need that we've got. And by and forever. Take your Bibles tonight, book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number one, and uh, you bear with me tonight, okay? Uh, it'll be a little bit different. Um, we will, you'll bear with me. We'll get down into the scripture, uh, but it's going to take me just a few minutes to get there, all right? And uh, I may have a few more things I need you before it's all said and done, but I'm going to give you this tonight. And I realize we're not done with the book of Daniel, we've not covered it in entirety. But we kind of got a little bit of a timeline. You want We kind of got a little bit of a timeline as far as for the church, as far as for the Gentiles and for the Jews. And I told you when we got that done, we'd start on the church. Uh, instead of just jumping right into the church, you'll let me, I'm going to take a few weeks to get there, but we'll eventually get some timeline laid out for the church. Um, we may jump back to the book of Daniel. 
or we may go through the book of Revelation and then jump to the book of Daniel. Really not real sure just yet. Uh, but I do think what I'm giving you, most of you haven't seen it, I'm giving you an outline to the book of Revelation. I believe it's essential in understanding uh, what the, the book of Revelation because there's so much of it, but the difficulty, I guess, with it, I hate to use that terminology, but the difficulty in understanding the book of Revelation is simply the fact it's not written in chronological order. It kind of jumps around a little bit. You might be dealing with one thing here, deal with five or six more things, and then come back to the Lord's story with So uh, I've kind of just took and give you some things just laid out chapter by chapter, maybe a couple chapters grouped together. Uh, let's quickly, what I want to do tonight, uh, I promise you, you, give me a few minutes, I'll get there. Um, let's talk a little bit about what we looked at so far. Then if you let me, let's go through this outline just quickly. I'm not going to preach it to you, but just maybe a few things to note as we go through. And uh, then... If the Lord will let us, we'll look at maybe first few verses of chapter 1, okay? Um, so, like I said a minute ago, we've looked at um, the Gentiles, three types of people, Gentile, Jew, church. We've looked at the Gentile, the times of the Gentile, we've looked at that uh, last several weeks. We looked at Daniel chapter number 9, at Daniel 70 weeks, got a timeline for the Jews. Um, I thought, Kurt, that maybe tonight I might come in and try to overlay those two. Uh, but it just seemed like the Lord wouldn't let me do that. So my plan is to get through a little bit of a timeline concerning the church, and then we'll probably take at least one service and come in, probably use the whiteboard. I may bring the TV up here and set it up to where we can go through slides, but I'd like to start laying it all over each other, get, a time, get the timeline and start putting pieces where they go. That'll be essential. Uh, to understand the prophecy. Once we do that, then we'll start diving in a little bit deeper. We'll come in on a Wednesday night or Sunday night and pick a point on that timeline, uh, whether it be the church or the Jew or the Gentile, and we'll dive into it uh, a little bit deeper and look at it more in detail. may not cover everything, uh, but we'll, we'll hit some of it. I'd like to look personally, um, I'd like to look more in detail at the rapture of the church. I'd like to look more in detail at the tribulation period. Um, I know several of you have asked me about the mark of the beast, the antichrist, those types of things. That'll be dealt with during the tribulation period. Uh, probably look at the battle of Armageddon a little bit closely, the return of the Lord, battle of Armageddon. That, of course, will be the end of the times of the Gentiles. Um, then we may look a little bit. Uh, we'll probably look at the millennial reign. Then uh, I'd like, by the time we get to Revelation 21 uh, and 22, uh, maybe spend a little bit of time looking at the eternal state. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that later, and uh, we, we may hit some more, we may hit a little bit later. All right, so we've got this timeline. Eventually, like I say, we'll come in, lay it all together, and have a prophetical timeline of all three groups of people, and then we'll start put. Well, that'll give us a, a, a starting point where we can put things where they belong, all right? Um, have a greater understanding of how things will flow. Okay, let's look at this outline of the book of Revelation. Interesting book. Um, a lot of controversy seems surrounds it. A lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe intimidation. A lot of people scared to dive into the book of Revelation. 
but when you put things where they're supposed to be, when you have an understanding of how things are going to happen, it starts to make a lot more sense. You can start putting things where they go, and hopefully we'll see that as we go through. All right, chapter one um, deals with the introduction. We'll deal a little bit with that tonight, Lord willing. Um, then the latter part of chapter one gives us a vision of Christ. Boy, that's beautiful. I, I love the end of chapter one. Uh, so much different than what he looked like on earth. So so different than how he appeared. And boy, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Chapter two and three, that's where we really get most of our timeline from church. Chapters two and three are a grouping of seven letters to seven local churches. And uh, I'll say this tonight, maybe we won't have to spend so much time next time, uh, or when we get there, three ways you have to look at those churches. You have to look at them practically. Um, they literally were seven local churches that John, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote to. Uh, everything that he deals with was literally happening in those churches. It was a practical letter, practical epistles, if you would. Uh, then you look at it personally. In each of those seven churches, there's things that every single one of us that are saved, written to the church, written to the believer, there's things that every single one of us can take and apply to our heart and life personally. Then it's also prophetical. Um, some description about this, I, I believe it to be true. Most writers um, would say this, and it is prophetic in the fact that uh, they progress in a timeline of the church. For example, it begins with Ephesus. Uh, you'll see when we get there. You'll see similarities between Ephesus and the the uh, infant church, the very first, if you would, uh, the the beginning of the church, the day of Pentecost. You'll see some similarities. They were, for example, I know we're not there, but I'll just say this: uh, they were eager, Kurt, in their soul winning. They were eager to evangelize, to spread the gospel. We see that uh, in the early church. Then, of course, as we progress on through, it ends with the church at Laodicea. And so it would, what I'm saying is this, it progresses, those seven epistles, begins with the first church, the, the, the infant church, if you would, and progresses all the way, Jessica, to the end time church, the church, the, the generation, the uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. I don't. I can't get my mind what I'm trying to say. But the uh, the generation of the church right before the rapture is pictured in the Laodicean church. We'll we'll see that when we go through it. Chapter four is interesting. In fact, it's interesting to note that uh, after chapter three, find no mention of the local church. Find no mention of the church at all. Chapter four. What happens is. John's telling us about these epistles, these letters to these seven churches. And in chapter 4, Kirk, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, John gets caught up to heaven. That sounds familiar. It's a type of the rapture. It shows that from the infant church all the way to the last church before the Lord raptures the church. And then after that church age, after that church generation, the rapture takes place. It's a timeline of the church. Chapter 4 is the type of the rapture. Chapter 5, John sees uh, in heaven, he sees that they're looking for someone worthy to take and to open the book. Of course, the line of Judah is found worthy to open the book and to open the seals thereof. Now, something to point. Chapter 6, you'll find the first, well, in fact, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and 3, Seven churches. You'll find that time and time and time again through the book of Revelation. That number seven. Seven churches, seven seals. 
and so on. Chapter 6, the seals are open, revealing. Now watch, watch what I've got. A white horse, that pictures Antichrist. A red horse, that pictures war. Black horse pictures famine. Pale horse pictures death and hell. Fifthly, the fifth seal reveals tribulation saints. They appear in heaven, those that have died during tribulation. Sixthly, all these phenomenal events can take place on earth. All right, now notice this. Seven seals, six are open. But in chapter seven, we switch completely. In chapter seven, there's 144,000 male virgin Jews that are sealed from the 12 tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each tribe. Now, in chapter eight and nine, the seventh seal's open. You see how it doesn't flow together? It's, there's, you cut in and out somewhat. The seventh seal's open. It brings silence. Now watch, then seven angels appear, bringing more plagues upon the earth. Watch this. Hail and fire mingled with blood. Fire falls into the sea. Star falls like a lamb. The sun and the moon and the stars are smitten. Uh, a star falls from heaven, unleashing demons upon the earth. Four angels come and slay men. Once again, six, seven angels, only six are mentioned. Chapter 10, an angel comes down from heaven with the little book. Chapter 11, the Gentiles' time is set. All right, look at chapter 12. Watch this. Chapter 12 and 13, the seventh trumpet is sent. See, we come back to the trumpet. And this time, seven persons appear. The woman, Satan, Christ, an archangel, the Jewish remnant, a beast of the sea, and a beast out of the earth. Chapter 14, now we go back to that 144,000. Lamb of God has sent 144,000 sealed servants, Babylon's doom is announced, and a vision of Armageddon. Now let me say something about chapter 14. Chapter 14, we've mentioned a few times for the prophecy, is a parenthetical chapter. Let me show you what I mean by that. All right. Hunt, Lamb of God, 744,000. Babylon's doom is announced. Uh, I can say a little bit about how that's parenthetical. I'm interested in that vision of Armageddon. Now, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but where in the book of Revelation does the battle of Armageddon take place? Chapter 19. Right? The Lord comes back. <laughs> There, right? But what's interesting, Chris, is in chapter 14, in this parenthetical chapter, God gives us more detail concerning the battle of Armageddon than just chapter 19. But he gives us that before chapter 19. What I mean by that is this. Um, it's not always flowing. It's not always continuous. There's, you have to learn to take things and put them where they go. Even though we're getting this information in chapter 14, we realize it really doesn't fit. I'm not trying to say the Bible's wrong. I'm just saying in the timeline, Nancy, it really doesn't fit till chapter 19. We're just getting a glimpse of it before. That makes sense. I know I'm getting you a lot. You're looking at me like you're, like you're losing me, but you don't have to understand all this now. We'll talk about it as we go through. I just want you to, a few things I want to mention to you as we go through. All right. Uh, let's see, chapter 15 and 16. Seven angels with bowls of wrath. Notice what they bring. Grievous sores on men. The sea becomes blood. Then that's the second angel, the second bowl of wrath. Third bowl of wrath is rivers and fountains become blood. 
Now, that's interesting. Um, the second angel, the second bowl of wrath, all the salt water, the sea, becomes blood. The third one, all the fresh water becomes blood. Would it be safe to say by the time it's over, all the water will be blood? Um, fourthly, the sun burns men. Um, how, how, I, I, won't, I won't say beautiful, but uh, it is beautiful in the fact that God in His grace and His mercy, they tell me wrong that if the sun moved not, not thousands of feet or thousands of miles, but very little, God, if it moved closer to the earth, we'd burn up. And it moved farther away, we'd freeze to death. God in His mercy and His grace keeps it right where it needs to be. But during this time, John, the sun, I'm not talking about a sunburn, I'm talking about it'll burn me and it'll consume them when God releases, uh, begins to pull back His grace and His mercy during this tribulation during this time of big trouble. Um, oh, I didn't even say this. Chapter 4, the church is, John, picture of the church is caught up, picture of the rapture. All this take place on earth will not be here. Amen. Is that right? Alright. Sun burns men. Uh, fifthly, the kingdom of the beast becomes darkened. Uh, sixthly, the Euphrates River dries up. Set, finally, the air is filled with wrath. Watch this now. And hailstones weighing over a hundred pounds each begin to fall to the earth. What about that? What about that? You, I thought about that in my office today. Um, I don't know. I haven't been here too long. There's a storm come through. And uh, I think everybody up in this room, everybody in this community, had hail damage to their roof. Yeah. Isn't that right? Don't you remember? Yeah. And I thought, my soul, that wasn't, that wasn't very big hail at all. Can you imagine hailstones, a hundred pounds each falling from the earth? Uh, my, I mean, my stars, that's, that's, that doesn't sound pleasant. It doesn't sound, none of this to me sounds uh, encouraged. Men say, Heard all my life, people say, well, I just won't take the mark of the beast. Uh, well, if you won't buy yourself, the waters will turn to blood. Right? It's, Jesus said, I am the water of life. They failed to accept him, they'll go without water. Yep. Right? Let's see. Uh, chapter 17, 18. The angels of doom appear. All right. Now, chapter 15, 16, all seven are listed. Uh, pretty rapidly, we see all seven uh, of the bowls of wrath. But now in chapter 17 and 18, the angels do appear bringing uh, the doom of Babylon. Now watch chapter 19. In chapter 19, a lot of things happen in chapter 19. Chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. Well, that's, I mean, listen, that, we've been looking at hailstones 100 pounds each following the doom of Babylon. But all of a sudden, chapter 19, we're the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think that's beautiful, by the way. I, I, I think that is so amazing. That is so encouraging to me. Uh, when the world is at its worst. Is that right? We're being served by the one that bled and died. Isn't that beautiful? Heaven's not been shaking a bit. Heaven's running right on schedule. Hey, now we're worshiping him, man. Sitting with him and fellowshipping with him. That's beautiful, man. All right. The marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, chapter 19. Look what else happens in chapter 19. Not only the marriage supper of the Lamb, but Jesus comes in his glory. Now he's come for the rapture, but it's set from the earth. Chapter 19, he comes and 
uh, steps foot on the Mount of Olives. He comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right? Now, all that takes place. Also, we see the doom of the beast, the doom of the false prophet, the doom of the kings of the earth. All right, now that's at the battle of Armageddon, by the way. The beast, that's the Antichrist. He defeats the beast, that's his doom. Uh, he defeats the false prophet. That's the uh, Satan's attempt, Satan's copy, if you would, of the Holy Ghost. He's the religious leader of this crap. Uh, he defeats him. Then the doom of the kings of the earth, that's the end of what we've been looking at. That's the times of the Gentiles fulfilled. All right? He defeats, starting with Nebuchadnezzar, that head of gold. Right? That lion with the wings of an eagle. The Babylon. He, he, he comes and he, that begins the times of the Gentiles. And in Revelation 19, oh my, that's when the stone not cut out with hands rolls down the mountain and smites the image on the feet and breaks it asunder and scatters it as a chaff in the wind. That's when Revelation 19, it, we refer to it as uh, the doom of the kings of the earth. That's when he fulfills it all. Yes. Right? Right, that don't excite y'all. That excites me. Uh, the doom of the kings of the earth. All right, so we see those three dooms uh, in Revelation 19. Revelation 17, 18, the doom of Babylon, and the doom of the beast, and the false prophet, the doom of the kings of the earth. All right, chapter 20. Chapter 20, several things happen once again. The angel puts Satan in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. Uh, boy, that's exciting. Uh, then we see the doom of Gog and Magog. We'll talk about that before it's over with. Then we see the doom of Satan. He's cast in the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet already are. Uh, he wasn't doomed in chapter 17 8, or chapter 19. The beast and the false prophet apparently already cast in the lake of fire, but God binds Satan for a thousand years. That's the thousand year reign, the millennial reign of Christ. The end of that, Satan will be loosed again for a season. Be many that'll be deceived that'll follow after him, even after living a thousand years. Uh, oh, we've got to look at that one because we've got to look at the thousand year reign of Christ and uh, how, especially how the worship will take place during that time. That's interesting. Then, uh, at the end of that, right before the great white throne judgment, Satan will be bound, cast in the lake of fire where the beasts and false prophet are. Then, the final doom that we see, perhaps, in my opinion, the saddest of all the dooms. The end of chapter 20, we see the doom of all sinners at the great white throne judgment. God will judge all the sinners out of the books, and if their name, if their name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they'll be cast in the lake of fire forever and ever. Chapter 21 and 22, that's the end of the book. You've heard all your life preachers say, I've read the end of the book. We win. We get to find out uh, what that is. Now, I may not preach this this way, but to keep with the sevens, chapter 21 and 22, seven new things appear. It's a new heaven, a new earth, a new people, a new Jerusalem, a new temple, a new light, and a new paradise of God. That's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll look at all of those when we get there. All right, you keep that. We'll use it through the, uh, I know it's not a very detailed outline, but I hope it hit you. I hope it, uh, as we go through, uh, maybe you look at it and see how some of these things are broken up and uh, the dunes and the, all these, the bowls of wrath and all that. All right, let's see what time is. Oh, I'm running good. I got plenty of time. Uh, let's look, my goal, let's look at the first three verses of Revelation, book of Revelation, and uh, then we'll go from there. All right? <coughs> Revelation chapter 1, begin reading in verse 1. The Bible said, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, 
to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, since signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. You ought to notice that. Verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. All right, let's deal with it together, okay? Uh, say a couple things. I think every time I've ever read from the book of Revelation, I've said this. Uh, I'll say it again. My wife was coming up the road today, and uh, I, I told her, I don't often do this, but I told her I was going to kick it off tonight, starting the book of Revelation. And uh, I've wanted to preach through. I, I'm not, not going to jinx myself, but John, I've wanted to preach through book of Revelation for 10 years, I bet. And it uh, seemed like I started, I never finished it, or uh, the Lord gave me up. I really hope I'm preached through this. I really do. I, I love the book of Revelation. Uh, but I, I asked her, I said, uh, what do you know about the book of Revelation? She said, well, I do know this. It's Revelation, not Revelations. I think I say that every time I preach through uh, the book of Revelation, but it is. There is only one. Isn't that right? It's not multiple revelations. He gave us all we needed when he gave us the one. Isn't that right? Uh, I think I also say this every time I preach through it. Um, probably over your Bible, the heading, the title of the book, it probably says something to this effect, the revelation of St. John the Divine. It probably says something, typically, some say that, some may not. Um, that That's not right. The Bible said plainly in verse number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, so let's look at it together. Let's look at the person of the book. Let's just notice a few things about it quickly. We're not getting deep. It'll not be over your head. It'll not be anything new. Uh, just a few things tonight I'm going to point out to get us started in this study. The person of the book in verse number one, the Bible said the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ. This is not the revelation of John, but rather of Christ. Immediately, we're informed by the Holy Ghost that this is the book. This book is about Christ. That ought not surprise us. Well, I realize we're looking at future things and things which are to come, and prophecy and prophetical events. We understand that, but ultimately, it is about Christ. That's what it's about. That ought not surprise us in any bit at all. Uh, one writer said it like this. He said that it is a hymn book. Not a hymn book like you sing out of, but a H-I-M book. It's all about him. Uh, another writer said this. said if you read through your Bible and you don't find Christ on one page, you'll find him three or four times on the next. It's all about him. Uh, I love it. I, all through the Bible. When you realize that, when you realize this book is about him, and in everything that is done, it points to him. It's a picture, a type, uh, uh, to uplift and magnify him. Your Bible will come to life because you'll really, you'll be looking at it the right way that it's about him. Isn't that right? Uh, so it wastes no time that it's all this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about him. It's by him. He's revealed it to us by his servant John. And that, that's wonderful. The person of the book. Notice the provision of the book in verse number one. The Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ, watch this now, which God gave unto him. That tells me, Ronald, that uh, God himself gave this revelation to Christ in order for him to give it to others. Yes, that right? God revealed this to Christ in order for him to reveal it to others. Now, I, I've never really thought about that that much to today. 
I really didn't even have this point in my outline. I got to pondering on that, thinking on that, and uh, it, it really kind of stopped me for a little while. Because uh, I thought to myself, no, I thought, well, Christ is God. He's third part of Godhead, and they're equal. They manifest themselves differently, but they're co-equal and co-present and all these things. And uh, why would God have to reveal it to the Bible that gave it to him, unto him? Uh, why would that be? Well, I believe I've got a biblical answer for that. Notice this. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6. Listen to what your Bible said. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, I preached that for 10 years now, 10 or 11 years now. Uh, I've heard that all my life. I've, I've been just like everybody else and shouted over the fact that we have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator between us and God. And when we pray that he, he uh, advocates and mediates on our behalf and he has the ear of the Father on the right hand side of him in glory and we pray to him and he, 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 he advocates for us on behalf of the Father. That's not what your Bible says. That's true. That, that is true. That's not what your Bible says. I said there's one God. And one mediator, what's what it said? Between God and man. Now he does. The Bible does teach that Ronald, he mediates on our behalf and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. But that's not what the Bible said in 1 Timothy 2 5. The Bible said he's one God, one mediator between God and man. That that, that word mediator, it, it John, it's almost. Uh, it's almost like, it'd be like this. It'd be like if John and Kurt really got into it. I mean, they, they, they got so into it uh, that they could not be reconciled. They could not come, they could not even work things out because they couldn't even stand to be in the presence of each other. All right? So what we do is they couldn't talk to each other without getting mad and upset. And that, that difference was so vast they couldn't reconcile each other. So what we do is we take Noah and pull him over here. All right? And he'd go to John, he'd say, John, what do you want to tell Kurt? John would say, I'm going to tell him, blah, 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 blah. And so then Noah would go over and he'd say, Kurt, here's what John said, blah, 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 blah. What would you like to tell John? Kurt said, well, tell him, yada, 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 yada. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's a, almost a third party that's not really involved in this, this rift, this difference, but they've now become a part of it. And they're mediating between both. Well, see, when Adam sent in the garden, there was a great rift place between man and God. Yeah. All right? And it was so vast, John, that God could not fellowship with man. Man could not fellowship with God. Y'all get this just a second. But Christ is the mediator. What that means is, oh, what about this? John 1, what's he referred to as in John 1? The Word. All right? If God has something to say to man, he speaks through Christ, the Word. Is that right? And if man has something to say to God, he speaks through Almighty. Uh, can I say this? Not through Mary, not through the saints, not through the Pope, not through the priest, but he speaks through Christ, the Son. In, in fact, let me go over and read your verse real quick. Uh, you're getting up about as fresh as I am. Let me read you a verse just real, real quick. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 1. Watch what your Bible said. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners 
spake in time past from the fathers by the prophets. Watch verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto his by, spoken unto us by his son. Isn't that right? Whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world. What about the fact the reason this book was provided, uh, the, the reason we have it tonight is because while God could not let rift between man and God, uh, while we're, we're still flesh, we still see it, uh, God, God cannot reveal to us the things that come to, be, come to pass hereafter, uh, but God in His mercy and His grace revealed it to His Son, the mediator between man and God, that He could send an angel to a servant God and inspire Him by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to pin down the words so that you and I now can have a direct word from God uh, by the mediator God help me whom in his last days is expressly spoken unto us by his son. Isn't that right? Why God gave it to it. God couldn't give it to us. We failed. There's a rift between us. But he gave it to the mediator who passed it to us. Well, that excites me. Noah said this evening that uh, he was thankful for the word. If it wasn't for the word, he wouldn't be saved. He wouldn't be here. wouldn't be this or that. You know why he has the word? Because it's not just Christ that mediates on our behalf. But he's mediating on the behalf of the Father. He is the Word. He is the express will and Word of God. And he, uh, God gave it to him. He gave it to us because of that. Uh, now we can have fellowship with the Father through the mediator. Isn't that right? Watch this. I, I got heard. I told you I wasn't being long. Not only do we see the person of the book, the provision of the book, uh, but I want to notice this. Notice the purpose of the book. Why did he do it? We know it's about Christ. We know God gave it to provide it, gave it to us through Christ. But why did He do it? What's what your Bible said in verse number one? Bible said, I, I'm done, I'm, I'm over in the book of Acts. How did I get there? Revelation chapter one, that's where we're at. Notice verse number one, after the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him to show unto His servants things which must shortly come to pass. Boy, I like that, don't you? Notice that which must shortly come to pass. Do you catch that? Which must shortly come to pass. Oh my, John wrote this book that, well, thousands of years ago. And then John said under the Holy Ghost, it must shortly come to pass. If that's the case, how much more how much more relevant is that shortly tonight? Right? Which must shortly Watch what he said. I like this. The Bible said, verse 1, to show unto his servants. Boy, I'm glad to be counting that number, aren't you? I'm glad to be one of his servants. Well, don't fall out with me. I'm glad to be, I'm glad to be numbered amongst his servants, aren't you? Watch what the Bible said. Show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Purpose of the book. The very purpose of the book is to reveal to the church, the servants of Christ, to reveal to the church the things which should shortly come to pass. The very reason he gave it to us is what we've been doing, building a prophetical timeline, a prophetical uh, events, the timeline of prophetical events. That's the reason God gave it to us, so we could have a timeline, so we could know the things which should shortly come to pass. All right, let's, let's hurry through. Not only do we see the person, the, the provision, the purpose of the book. Notice with me in verse 1 and 2, the perspective of the book. Now, this is interesting. I'd like to spend a lot of time here, but I don't have time to do it. Notice what it said. And he sent and signified it by his angel. 
I might spend some time on that one of these days. Under a servant job. Now, let me, let me show you something. That's interesting to me. He said unto his servants. All right? He wanted to reveal to his servants. Things are going to shortly come to pass. Now, watch what he did with John. Bible said he sent, signified it by his angel under his what? Servant John. Now, what he's saying right there, I believe all my heart, I believe he's letting us know, Ronald, that while he gave it directly to John, he shows no preference or uh, no, uh, <coughs> to, there's no respect of persons with God. He's not putting John any higher than us. John's a servant just like we are. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He just used John. Oh, there's a lesson in that. You know, I heard somebody say one time the book of Revelation was uh, not necessary. It just was a bunch of prophetical events and really didn't matter if you knew those or not. I think that's kind of foolish anyway, but there's some practical lessons too. That tells me that while John, oh, chapter 4, and John's called up to heaven, the rapture, oh, I love reading the book of Revelation and seeing how John reacts to it. He's a picture of the church. Mm -hmm. When John falls down at his feet as he's dead, I believe that means we will. I believe when we see him, we, John saw him, and John walked with him on the earth, but next when he saw him, when he laid eyes on him, he fell on his feet as though he were dead. Oh, that excites me. I can't wait to I can't wait to see him. Can't wait to lay my eyes on the one that bled and died for me. I've heard people, I, uh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I don't know how to talk about songs. I'm just keeping that my message, but I just can't do it. Uh, that song you may love, and if you do, more power to you. Uh, but if they sing it at my funeral, Lord, help, I hope the Lord, I hope the Lord strikes on me. I do. Uh, that song, uh, I can't think of the name of it. I can only imagine. I hate that song of fashion. You may love it, but you do it, it's fine. But I hate that song of fashion. Well, I dance, well, I sing. Then when I do, I'll fall down at his feet like a dead man. Right. Yeah. Amen. Right. The one that bled for me, that died for me, when I, when I see him face to face, I don't believe God, I feel like dancing. I don't believe I feel like singing. I believe I'll fold his feet, his feet. I humble myself before him. I exalted him and put him higher than me. What God did. Yeah. Amen. right. I know, I hurt some of his feelings. It'll be all right. Watch this. We see, I don't know how I got there, but we did. Uh, the, the perspective. Uh, what's verse 2? Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I like this. And of all, watch this, and of all the things that he, what's that next word? Saw. John saw it. It wasn't just a word that he heard. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just that somebody, that the, that the Lord leaned down and whispered in his ear and said, you'll see me as a lamb, uh, a, a lamb that's been slain. John saw him that way. Yeah. Right. They didn't just say there'll be tens of thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands that'll be worshiping the lamb. John saw it. He heard it. Oh, can I really blow your mind? If you get a hold of this, it excites you. If you're saved tonight, you're saved. I do better than that. If you are saved or ever will be saved, Revelation 19, when John said he saw him come on a white horse and the host of heaven following, John saw you there. 
Yeah. What about that? Hear what about that? Oh my, you want to know what you do when you get to heaven and ask John? He probably saw you. Yeah. That right? That excites me. But what we must understand, the perspective in which it's written. Now, it's just like every other book of the Bible. We've talked about it before. The Bible is inspired. It's Holy Ghost breathed. The Bible said that the Holy Ghost moved upon men and caused them to write the words of Scripture. Now, what's interesting about that is this. The same Holy Ghost inspired every book of the Bible. That makes it inerrant without error. That makes it infallible, incapable of failing. Makes it inspired. Unlike any other book. But what's amazing to me, God did not make these men a typewriter. He did not make them John a copy machine. He did not need to take their hand and force them to write what they wrote. So when you study your Bible, you see the personalities and the emotions of the writer through the writer. So the Gospels, each one of the Gospels is different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels, they're the same. John is a completely another beast. Oh, I don't know how we got here, but he, it doesn't go with the message because John wrote it too. Uh, John, when he wrote the Gospels, he wrote the Gospel of John. Oh man, looking back on his life. Oh, that changes the whole way you look at it. He didn't write those things as they were happening. He didn't write it a few years later. But he's an old man looking back, best times of his life, writing about his time with the Lord. John, unlike the rest of them, never refers to himself. Never in the Gospel of God will you find John's name. What he'll put, oh my. What he'll put, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, isn't that true? The older you get, do you not realize more and more how much he loves you? Yeah. I'm about to come slap on you. Do you not get more and more to realize how much he John's an old man looking by him? And we see that come through in his writings. I give you another Gospel of Mark, written by John Mark. Remember when Peter went on a missionary journey, uh, he told John Mark, remember, he, he told him that. Peter stood up and couldn't come because uh, in the first missionary journey he uh, got chicken out, homesick, and all those things, and left and went back. And Peter said, I ain't got time for him. Paul said, I ain't got time for that. He ain't coming with me. You know what I believe? Barnabas stood up for him. Paul said, I ain't going. Uh, here's what I believe. When John Mark went back later on and became prophet, remember that? But you know what the Gospel of Mark is? It's the most harsh critique. Of Peter. What most Bible scholars believe? That John Mark come back and said, Other Peter, as he sat there, Peter began to rehearse to him the things that he wasn't there. John Mark wasn't there when these things took place. I believe he sat down with Peter, and it's the harshest because Peter, looking back, felt more deeply than any of the others the way he let the Lord down. What about that? You see that bleed through. Here in the book of Revelation, i got to get off right and be here all night. Here in the book of Revelation, we see John's emotion, his perspective, the things he sees, the things he feels. We see his point of view bleed through. He's a picture of the church. He, we see that. He's tied unto his servants, his servant 
John. I believe we shows us the way we'll react when we finally see him. The way we'll feel when we see the dead this morning, Billy, casting the lake of fire. The way we'll feel. Oh, what about this? John, was John under inspiration of the Holy Ghost that said, Satan's casting the lake of fire forever and ever. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but I believe the Holy Ghost might allow him to put that in forever. Because John has seen the effects of Satan. John had felt the pressures. He felt the temptations. He, he lived under the curse. And the one that deceived all mankind finally put the doom. And John said, forever and ever. I don't make any of scripture. We just see John's perspective from it. We see his emotions. It, we, it is not vital for us to understand things which must come to pass to know that John fed his feet as one day. Not vital for us to know that. But under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, He lets it bleed through. I believe with all my heart for us to see how we'll feel, how we'll think, how we'll react when we finally see these things. All right, let's go get uh, I don't know how I got off on all that, but it's all right. Um, while it is true, God does not need a man, uh, what a joy and blessing it is to know He chooses to use mankind. He didn't have to use John. He chose to use John. No, he doesn't need you to preach the gospel. If you, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you quit today and I quit today, heaven is not going to be twiddling their fingers and figuring out what to do. He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. Isn't that right? He doesn't need John to pin this down. He chooses to use John to pin this down. All right, let's, I got to hurry. Uh, I got to get done. Um, while it is a revelation of Jesus Christ, he allowed John to pen it. Told you many to go just like any portion of Scripture, but Revelation, of course, inspired by the Holy Ghost. However, like all Scripture, we see glimpses of John's personality and emotions shining through as we read. Uh, let's see. I think I've told you all that. Um, he's a picture of the church. John is. He's experiencing these things just as you and I will. What about that? Everything John experiences. The book of Revelation, you and I will experience. Is that right? Watch this. All these dooms and bowls of wrath. John said, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Oh, but what about when he was called up to heaven? Is that right? He was there. Oh, what about this? <laughs> Let me, let me read the first scripture. Let me read the first Watch this. I show it to you. I gotta quit. I gotta quit. Revelation chapter 5. I saw on the right hand of the zone from a book written within on the backside, silver seven seals. Uh, I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, Who's worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven nor in earth, neither on the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Watch verse 4. And I wept much. Broke his heart. Broke his heart. John said, I said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book. Neither looked there on what's verse 5. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of four, four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. 
when he had taken the book, the four, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them hearts and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Boy, we could right there for a long time. Watch verse 9. Watch this. Oh my, watch this now. Verse 9. And they sung a new song. Isn't that right? You know, oh my, stay with me now. What I'm telling you is the Bible said John, one of the elders, looked at it and said, Behold, the lie of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. John said he turned. It's all the line. Isn't that right? Watch what it said. Uh, verse number 6. I beheld lo in the midst of the throne and the four, be four beasts in the midst of the what? The elders. Oh, I'd love to hear what them elders are, but I ain't got time. I ain't got time to get into that. What I want you to see is this. John, evidently, in this vision, in this uh, revelation, John was standing beside one of the four and twenty elders. Where was the line of the tribe of Judah at? In the midst of the throne, four beasts, and the what? Elders. Evidently, he was right beside John. There, huh? Oh, my, what's this? Uh, da, 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 da. Verse number eight, when he had taken the book, four beasts, four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them gold hearts and gold vows for the Lord's prayers of the saints, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed what? 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 Us. Us. That's not the angels. All right? That's not the cherubims. That's the redeemed singing a new song. Oh my, I ain't never sung a song in my life. Uh, but I will that day. I'll sing a new song. Uh, one even the angels can't sing. Uh, they don't know anything about redemption. They don't know what it is to be lost and saved. Uh, they don't know what it is to be blood bought and cleansed by his blood. Uh, but the redeemed do, the child God does, uh, and will stand with him in the midst of us uh, and sing a new song uh, and proclaim that he's worthy. Uh, thank him for, oh God, help me, I'm about to come unglued. Thank him for so redeeming us that thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us under our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Watch verse 11 I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast and the others and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice where this the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Uh, what a picture. I, I, I'm not going to finish, but it'll be all right. Uh, what a picture that is. All the redeemed begin to sing a new song uh, and proclaim he's worthy because he redeemed us. Uh, and then all the hosts of the angels, the Bible said, uh, a thousand times a thousand and ten thousand, uh, uh, they cry out with a loud voice and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches uh, and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You know what that really means? Let me just tell you. What that really means is this. Uh, while we're worshiping him, uh, uh, the angels that have been forced to worship him uh, is going to say, that's right. Uh, you're dead and right. Uh, he is worthy. Uh, you're right. He is worthy. Uh, oh, y'all ain't getting that. Watch this. Uh, uh, verse 13, every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea uh, and all that are in the um, uh, heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power have been him that set us upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. What about that? Hey. By the way, them four and twenty elders, that's us, by the way. 
That's us and the reclaimed Jews, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. He had 12 men to reach the Gentiles and 12 tribes of the Jews. And one of these days, they'll all be reclaimed together because you didn't have time to believe and do. They'll all be put together. Four, anytime you read four and 20 elders, that's talking about all the reclaimed Israel and the church brought together as one. Oh, my, I'm about to come unglued. We'll worship him and sing a new song and the angels will join in. And then all the creatures of the earth and above the earth and above the earth uh, they'll just go ahead and join in too uh, and the poor beast which have cried out forever holy, holy, holy it's the Lord God Almighty they'll change their tune all of a sudden uh, and instead of crying out holy, holy, holy uh, the Bible said they'll say amen, uh, amen uh, I'm about to come slap unglued uh, uh, what I'm saying is this one of these days uh, uh, we'll do it better than they ever could because uh, uh, we know what it is to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb uh, uh, to be blood bought, blood washed uh, I'm telling you, it'll be a time when we get there and John saw those things and experienced those things just like you and I will. You say, preacher, what's going to happen after that? After them four beasts cry out and say, amen, amen, amen. What'll happen then? Watch what your Bible said in verse number 14. And the four beasts said, amen. And the four and twenty elders, that's us, remember, fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. You know what that tells me? After we've sung a new song and the angels have praised him and the creatures have praised him and the beasts have praised him and the beasts say amen. Oh my, I believe we'll just worship a little bit more. Isn't that right? Forever and ever and ever. That's what we'll do when we get to heaven. I don't have to imagine. He's done revealed to me what will take place. We'll worship him and sing a new song and he redeemed our ever dying souls. Isn't that right? Right. I don't know how we got there, but it felt pretty good to me. Watch this. Let me quit. Uh, Lord, to see us, his emotions, his actions come into it. John saw there was nobody worthy to open the book. He wept. That right? He fell down his feet. We'll fall down his feet. We read in chapter 20 how John, you can see it in the writing, how John's heart broken. These sinners being cast in the lake of fire. We can see him rejoice when Satan's cast in forever and ever. We see those things. His emotions come through. Then those who men I quit the promise of the book in verse 3. And where am I at? I'm flipping my Bible so much. Verse number 1, verse number 3, chapter 1. Blessed is he that readeth. They that hear the words of this prophecy keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Notice the promise of the book. Told you it when we got started. Seems like a lot of people's intimidated by the book of Revelation. It, it frightens them. It, they, they feel they can't understand it. They feel that it's complicated and it's complex. And in some ways I see that. I want you to notice what the Bible said under this preaching Holy Ghost. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Can I say tonight we see that while it, many see it as intimidating and overwhelming according to scripture not my opinion not what I think but God according to the word of God it's a blessing to those that read it and hear it and keep it Right? What that means means this. 
Reading it, of course, that means to read it. Hear it means to hear it. That word keep it means not so much. We talk sometimes about keeping the law and keeping the commandments. And we mean that as don't break it. Mind it, if you would. That's not necessarily what it means here when it says keep these things. It's the idea, Nancy, of a keepsake. To hide it away. To make it precious to you. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I probably have preached chapter 5. I believe I've done that. I believe that makes about the third time I've got on chapter 5 and come on good, but I, I love chapter 5. Right after, by the way, chapter 4 is the rapture. Remember the outline? Chapter 4 is the rapture. means chapter 5 takes place right after that. Chapter 5 is your inside of the first time you see it. Let's sing a new song. Fall down his feet, worship him forever and ever. What about them? Watch this. Oh, my eyes are tore up. I don't know where I'm at. Watch this. It's a blessing to keep it. Oh, you ought to take those things in a wicked, wicked world. You ought to read it. You ought to hear it. You ought to keep it. You ought to hide it in your heart. When things look worse and worse by the day, this could, they, they tell me, I don't watch much news, but I did catch this, did see it the other day. Uh, I don't remember when it was posted or when it was first said, but both be out of diesel, 25 days, and whatever they posted. I, I just seen it today, so maybe tomorrow, for all I know, I don't know. But sometimes we're going to be out of diesel. And that thing's all worried to death, and I don't get me wrong. I don't want to be out of diesel. I understand what that's going to happen to people in the country. I understand that. But even wrong as bad as it sounds, I know there's coming a day when I was still in song, falling at his feet, saying, oh, 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 them four and twenty elders, or them, 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 uh, them, the angels, they talk about the lion. John, they told him about the lion. John said, I, I, I would read, we don't have time. John said, I see a lion. What about them? The angels saw, he is a lion. They saw him victorious in battle. But John said, I see a lion that is slain. John said, Shed that lion. Don't wait with me, I know you're not, but I gotta quit. John said, I see him as a lamb. He shed that blood for me. He died for me. John sung a, the, the, the four twenty eight sung a new song. Because they knew what it was to be redeemed. Lord, keep those things in your heart. Lord, excite us. Bring us joy. Be a blessing for even a wicked world. So this is the worst life we'll ever live. Watch this, I quit. I got hurt. I told you that many times I've been waiting until 10 minutes after eight. What's this? It reveals to us tonight it's intended to be a blessing. It reveals to us the future that awaits us. As well, as well. Oh, I, I like I like chapter five. And I like getting over chapter 19, that marriage supper of the land. Boy, that excites me. He'll gird himself and serve us. And serve us at that supper. I get over there. Revelation 19, when he comes back on a white horse, see him defeat them, all the all the, the, the political powers of the world and defeat the Antichrist and the false prophet. Why, that excites me. Can I be honest with you? While it breaks my heart for those that will be here, it excites me when you see the things I've been delivered from too. Get over to Revelation chapter 20. The dead, small and great, were judged. Name what friendly book of life is cast in the lake of fire. 
Well, that excites me to remind me I've been delivered from that. I'll never see with my eyes, I'll never experience hailstones falling 100 pounds of peace. I never experienced God all the water of the world turned to blood. I never, I never experienced those things because He bled for me, died for me. Grace was mercy. That excites me. But next, it breaks my heart for those that do here. Gives me a burden to see more and more saved. But it excites me to know I've been delivered from that. Lord, keep these things in your heart. That's the promise of the book. If you'll read it, you'll hear it. If you'll keep it, it'll be a blessing to you. That right? That excites me. I don't want to shy away from it. I don't want to be intimidated by it. The Bible said that, he, okay, that God gave it unto his son to give to his servants. If God wanted me to have it, I'm going to understand it. And I want to know it. I want to be a blessing. That's what God, according to verse 3, that's how God intended it to be a blessing. Let me show you something. Book of Revelation is not written. Let me see the Bible here. Watch this. I'll put it right here. Revelation chapter 1, verse number. Verse number 4. John. To the seven churches which are in Asia. The seven churches, I told you a minute ago, practically, seven local churches. Personally, applies to every believer. Prophetically, they encompass the entire church age, the dispensation of grace. John said, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Prophetically speaking, the book of Revelation is wrote to the church, the body of Christ, in the entire church age. What wrote for the lost man? Is that right? What wrote for the sinner? What wrote for the Jew? What wrote for the Gentile? Wrote for the church. John said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, keep those things which are in, which that which written therein for the time is at hand. Two th- over 2,000 years ago, that was penned. For the time is, is, is at hand. Oh, that puts a stirring in my heart. Is that right? What that tells me, chapter 2, chapter 3, are not things to come necessary. The written judgment of the book. Chapter 4, we're going to see. John said in verse 3, the time is at hand. Now I tell you something, listen to this. Not one thing, not nary one, I gotta quit. It's 15 after 8. Not nary one thing has to be fulfilled for the Lord to rapture the church. Not one thing. There's not one thing. Now, listen. The Jewish timeline, the Jews, Daniel 70 weeks. The church age has to end for that last week, that last seven years to begin, tribulation period. All right? For uh, the Gentiles, for their time, their, for their timeline to end, church has to be raptured. Have to go through seven years of tribulation. The Lord comes back, 
puts it in the Word of God. Alright? The Jews, Jews have at least until the rapture of the church before their next part of their timeline even begins. Gentiles has to go through the rapture of the church, entire tribulation period before their destruction time. Our deliverance, let me tell you what we're waiting on for our deliverance. Not a thing. Couldn't be any more. As John said, the time is at hand. Well, what he was saying was, you better read it. You better hear it. You better keep it. Because it could happen in any moment. Oh, my. Oh, you're listening so attentively. Can I, can I read you just a couple verses and I'll quit? Turn to chapter 4. Chapter 3 ends the church age. Chapter 4, listen to this. After this, I looked. Behold, a door was opened in heaven. Watch this. And the first voice which I heard, watch it now, were at, or heard was as it were of a trumpet talking to me, which said, watch this, come up hither. Does that sound familiar? Watch this. I'll show these three things which must be hereafter. Watch verse 2. And what? Immediately. Leave. Paul said it like this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, John said, immediately, I was in the spirit. And behold, the word behold means to look with great intensity. Behold, watch this, a throne was set in heaven. Watch, watch his eye. And one sat on the throne. Oh my. And he that sat was a look upon like a jasper, sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne. Oh, that's beautiful. Can I say something? God, hit me here all right. And can I say something like that? Book of Genesis, God set the rainbow. It's his promise to Noah. He never gets to the earth. What about the fact behind the throne, around the throne of God, is a rainbow? What's this? For us, we see a rainbow after it rains, signifying God remembered his promise. But uh, I'm not saying he needs it, but God didn't make so much for him to keep his word. He put a rainbow around his life. While we're reminded when it rains, he sees it all the time. That's beautiful, man. Where am I at? Verse chapter 5, 4. Watch this. Uh, let's see. Ran about the throne and sat like an emerald. And ran about the throne, what's this? Four and twenty seats. Oh my. Mm. Four, twenty seats. Where are they at? Ran about the throne. All the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Watch this. Here it is again. Clothed in white raiment. White raiment's always a picture of those that are saved. They had on their heads what? Crowns of gold. Now the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders of voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. That is the first thing John saw 
after he's called up to heaven. What about that? One sitting on the throne. For twenty elders, that's the redeemed, that's the that's those Jews, that's that's the that's the saved. They're round about the throne. Oh my, that's beautiful. John said, "One, oh, he that sat was to look upon verse three like a jasper and a sword in stone." That's how John described him. A jasper and a sardine stone. Oh, I'd love to tell you what that means, but I can't get there yet. We'll have to, I gotta give you something later. Verse six, the cherubims cried out, holy, holy, holy. But in chapter five, we've done seen it. They change after them four and 20 elders get to praise now. And they just say, amen. That means when you say amen, what you're saying is this, of a truth. You're saying what you, if I say something, you say amen, you're saying what you said was true. They cried out for forever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when the saints get to praise him, they say of a truth. What you said was right. What they're saying next year is you're saying it better than we ever could. Isn't that wonderful? That excites me. And John said, the time is at hand. Oh, my God, that tells me I may never see the sunrise in the morning. But if I don't, I'll see something far greater. Oh, my God, listen. I've got to quit. I've got to. This is what we have to do. Let's stand our feet.